Praise God. Hey, it's nice to see you. Good to see you. 3rd of December today. 3rd of December. So here we go, heading straight along into Christmas, looking at the birth of Jesus. We've spent 10 weeks on the house of prayer. We've really established a firm foundation on prayer. But now we're going into the birth of Jesus. I love Christmas time. Who, who loves Christmas? Come on. It's a wonderful time of the year. And we're going to pick up from um, the first two books, the first two chapters of the book of Luke, Luke's gospel. And we're going to look in today's message at the birth of Jesus and also the birth of John the Baptist. And, um, um, and you know what, regardless of which, which um, of the gospels you read, whether it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, they, or throughout the gospels, there are various themes or threads that run throughout the birth of Jesus. And one of those threads... Is relates to fear. <laughs> like, oh, I thought this was going to be a nice, smooth Christmas message. It, it will, we will get there. But the words fear and afraid in Luke 1 and 2 appear eight times. That's one of the threads. But another one of the threads, which stands out a lot to me the most, has to be joy. Has to be joy. And in Luke 1 and 2, the words joy or rejoice and glad, those words appear nine times. Yes, so joy wins over fear, right. But what's interesting is that in the midst of anxiety, in the midst of fear, amongst all the events that take place around the birth of Jesus, there is also great joy. There's great joy. So I'm going to try and give like a bit of a, just a summary of leading into the this, this scripture, because there's actually quite a lot of scripture we're going to go through today. But basically, in the days of Herod, there was a priest whose name was Zacharias. And Zacharias was married to a woman called Elizabeth, who was one of the daughters of Aaron. So she was of a Levitical background. And this couple... The Bible says that they were a God, well, they don't say they were a godly couple, that's my word, but they were a godly couple, and they were walking blameless in the law. They kept the law to the T, but they were childless. They, um, Elizabeth was barren, and the Bible says that, um, that, they were, that, she, that both Zacharias and Elizabeth were well advanced in years, so we're assuming Elizabeth, and I'm sorry to drop this word in church, she was post-menopausal, okay? For the men that don't understand, or the women that don't understand, ask Chris, okay? He will know what that means. He'll explain it to you after the service, okay? But Elizabeth was post-menopausal, and they were both well advanced in, year, in years. And on this particular day, Zacharias goes into the temple and um, he's going to burn incense. He's about to burn some incense. And whenever we see the burning of incense in the Bible, it signifies prayer, which is what we've been just going through for the last 10 weeks, which I think there's a good transition, Sandy. That's not bad. But it's an opportunity, maybe, for, for Zacharias to go in there and pray to God. Now, he's a priest, and he's, 
He's going into the temple. He has a one in 20,000 opportunity. Lots were drawn for who's going to go into the temple. And the lot was drawn and Zacharias was selected. He drew, he drew the short or the long straw. And he goes into the temple and he's now going to offer incense. He's going to be praying for the people. And I think, I wonder what he was praying for. You know, um, possibly he was praying for the Jewish nation that were being oppressed by their Roman oppressors. Maybe he was praying for the Messiah to come. Maybe he was just, you know, Lord, come. Um, but anyway, whatever it was, I'm sure that he did everything in his power to make sure that he did everything 100% correct, correctly. Sorry, that was bad English. Wasn't it, Andrea? That was bad English. Yeah, but he did everything correctly when he stepped into that place. So we're just going to pick it up from Luke chapter 1, verses 11 to 20. And we're just going to go step by step through the scripture. And it says, then an angel of the Lord appeared to him. This is to Zacharias, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And I think, praise God. You know what? God knows how to, where to find him. God knows where you are. He knows your postcode. He knows how to find you. God knows how to meet with you. So he, here the angel of the Lord appears to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. This is an angel of the Lord. He knows Zacharias's name. You know what God knows? Your name. He knows you by name. He says, for your prayer is heard. Singular. Now, Zacharias was the priest. He was offering up prayers. He was burning incense. That was his role. But the, but the, the angel says to him, your prayer, singular, is heard. Which prayer? And he goes on. He says, and your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. I mean, he even names him. He says, you're going to have a baby, and his name's going to be John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. Bing! <laughs> That's quite... Anyway. And many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be, now he starts talking about this guy, John, that's John the Baptist. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he, that's John, will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him, capital H, Jesus, Messiah, he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. Quotation, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wise, to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zechariah says to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. And the angel answered and said to him, I'm Gabriel, who stands in the presence of 
God. And I was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place. Why? Because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. There's so much in here, and every time I read it, there's so much more that just comes alive, and I'm going to try and keep it short, as short as possible. But if we'll just look at verse 14. The angel says to Zacharias, you will have joy and gladness, verse 14. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. So he's talking here about John. So why would the birth of John the Baptist be such a joyful thing? Well, it's because God had been silent, prophetically silent, for 400 years. 400 years. And during this time, relationship with God was based entirely on the law. So if we go back 400 years, we're going to press rewind 400 years. If you go in your Bible from the book of Luke, you rewind 400 years. You're going to land up at Malachi chapter 4, the last chapter of the last book of the Old Testament, 400 years. And in that chapter, in those verses, we're not going to go there, but I'd encourage you to read Malachi 4, verses 4 to 6, is this prophetic word, which was quoted here in verse 17, which said, he will go before him, that's John, will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. In other words, God is saying in Malachi, through the prophet Malachi, that he will send Elijah. Now, where's Elijah come into this? He's going to send Elijah, the prophet, as a forerunner to, to the Messiah. So we go back to Malachi. Elijah was around 500 years before Malachi. So it's almost like, but this is out of kilter. Elijah was 500 years there, then Malachi, then 400-year gap, and 400 years later, there's this prophetic word that comes through the angel Gabriel. And what he's doing is he's referring to John the Baptist. What he's saying is that God was going to send the prophet Elijah. He was saying, referring to John the Baptist, he said he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. So is that okay? Do you get it? So this is where enter Zacharias and Elizabeth, and this is where John the Baptist comes in. Up until then, relationship with God was based entirely on the law. And I loved what we sang earlier, law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus. And you know what, with the, with the Lord, we've heard the scripture um, a day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. God is outside of time. 
God is outside of time. And 400 years have passed since God has spoken to, the pe- to his people. But you know, whether it's 400 years, 400 days, 400 hours, or four minutes, it's irrelevant to God. God doesn't skip a beat. I love this. He doesn't skip a beat. He's not changed his mind. If he promised something 400 years earlier, guess what? He's going to watch over his word to perform it. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And God's plans and purposes were that John the Baptist would be a forerunner to Messiah. And this was prophesied over John before he'd even been conceived. You you know, the Bible is so amazing. God is so awesome. Jeremiah 1.5 says that before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, God knew each and every person here today. God knew you. He knew your name. He knew, he knows your address. He knows how to get hold of you. You're no accident to God. You're not here just taking up space. You're not here. You're no accident to God. We're not just here taking up space. So an angel of the God has appeared to Zacharias, telling him about this amazing child. I'll tell you what, if an angel appeared to me and said to me, listen, here's your child's CV. You know, he's going to be Let me think of these things. He's going to bring you and your spouse great joy and gladness. He's he's going to be great in the sight of God. He's never going to drink any alcohol. Man, that's a big thing in today's age. Your child's never going to drink alcohol. Praise God. He's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit from inside his mother's womb. And he's going to go in the spirit and power of Elijah as a forerunner. And Zacharias' response how shall I know this? How can I be sure of this? Based on what can I believe this? Give me proof. What proof is there? Come on, show me. Do you expect me to believe this? Ooh. You know, when God gives us a word, man, we need to, lead. We need to hold on to it. We need to hold on to it. You know what? Had Zacharias even heard what the angel had said? You know, I think sometimes God is speaking to us, but we're not listening. This is for so-and-so. I wish they were here today. No, sunshine. (laughs) It's for all of us. It's for all of us that are here. You know, God is speaking to us, but are we listening? But his first words, how shall I know this? And then Gabriel gives him his CV. He says, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. You think I don't know God? An angel is a messenger. He's a sent one. He's got a message from God himself. And say, tells him his son's CV before he's even born. But because of his unbelief, Zacharias is muted. Because of his unbelief. In verse 20... The angel says, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time, you will be muted. Zacharias' speaking could have stopped 
the miracle. The miracle of Elizabeth, past childbearing age, conceiving their son, John the Baptist, being a forerunner to Jesus. You know what the Bible says, life and death are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. What fruit are we eating? Are we giving off life or death in the power of the tongue? And you know, just imagine this. If, imagine if the angel didn't stop his mouth, didn't mute him. Can you imagine? There could have been no John the Baptist. Let him mouth off what he wants to say. Disbelieve God. Do his own thing. He could have. He could have, um, there could have been potentially no John the Baptist, no herald an <clears throat> announcing the coming Messiah. And if there was no herald announcing the coming of the Messiah, there are so many numerous Old Testament prophecies that would never have been fulfilled. But we need not despair. Even when God seems silent, even when he seems silent, what he has said is already enough. 400 years. You talk about having faith and patience and seeing the promises of God. You know what? The thread through the birth of John the Baptist should have been a joyful one. It should have been. It was, you know, great news. Your prayer is being answered. It's one of such importance to you and your wife. You're having a son. All these great news, these great, these great things that the angel was talking about, but instead he has to take him back to Malachi 400 years earlier when the last time God spoke prophetically. And God's actually saying to, what God's saying to Zacharias is, you're a priest. <laughs> you should know these things, sunshine. You know, come on, you should know these things. And for us, we are kings and priests of our God. We should know this stuff. This is no condemnation. But we need to know what God's promises to us are and to start believing him. You know, right in the beginning, I said Zacharias and Elizabeth, they walked blameless before the Lord. They, they, they walked blameless in the law. So they were following the law. They were following the letter of the law. But they had no faith. No faith. The Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. God's looking for faith. Will he find faith? When he comes, when he returns, the Bible says, will he find faith on all the earth? So instead of joy, in the account of John the Baptist, we have fear and unbelief and uh, potentially shutting down the whole event. But because he's muted, Elizabeth falls pregnant, and then we're going to Continue now in Luke 1. We know that Elizabeth conceives and she falls pregnant and Zacharias stays on mute for the whole duration. Can you imagine? She must have been delighted. Eh? <laughs> no more of that negativity. You know, we're just going to praise God. So, and we're just going to contra contrast the account of Zacharias with Mary, the mother of Jesus. When Mary... Um, uh, Mary would have been around 13 years old, somewhere between 13 to 15 years old, when she was betrothed to Joseph. So that doesn't mean that they were married. That it was like a promise that was made prior to getting even engaged. But she was betrothed to Joseph when this angel, the same angel, Gabriel, comes to visit her. And we're going to pick it up in Luke 1, verses 28 to 31. 
And look at the difference of this. Having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. I kind of want to keep my scripture open from Zacharias. When Zacharias saw the angel, he was troubled and fear came upon him. When, when Mary saw the angel, she was just troubled at his saying. There was no fear. There's no fear. But she considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. Then Mary said, in verse 34, Mary said to the angel, how can this be, since I do not know a man? And that, her question was valid. She was a, she was a virgin, teenage girl, who had never slept with a man. She had never had intercourse with a man. So her question isn't one of full of unbelief. It was a valid question. I've never known a man. How can I fall pregnant? Verse 35, the angel answers her and says to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Sometimes we need to read this as if it's the first time we're hearing it. You know, I just sat meditating on that this week and I was like, wow, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest will overshadow you. It's amazing. And Mary's response in verse 38, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Let it be to me. Her, Her response was total surrender. In an instant, there was no hesitation. There was no, I'll pray about it. I'll think about it. I'll sleep on it. Let me think about it. No, it was just automatic. It was a response to God. Total surrender. And then we pick this up a little later. Mary goes to visit Elizabeth at Elizabeth and Zacharias's house, by which time Elizabeth was six months pregnant. And so Mary is now pregnant with the Son of God. <laughs> wow, it's just incredible. Mary's pregnant with the Son of God, and she, she, she walks into Elizabeth's house, you know, and you know, they're, they're cousins. And she walks, hello, you know, as you do when you walk into someone's home, hello. She just said, hello. That's the message translation, I'm sure. And Luke 1 41 says this. Starting a little bit further, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. This is pre-Pentecost. This is pre-the birth of Jesus. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. She starts prophesying. You know what it was? In that day, there were no phones There was no Facebook. There were no fax machines. You know, there was no way of them getting other than word of mouth. 
But she knew, she said, blessed is the fruit of the, your womb. She knew Mary was already pregnant. And she goes on in verse 43, but why is this granted to me? That the mother of my Lord, the mother, she, the mother of my Lord is, should come to me. She's prophesying that the mother, she knew Mary was pregnant with the Son of God. The mother of my Lord should come to me. For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leapt in my womb for joy. What was that word that was prophesied by, the, by Gabriel to um, Zacharias? That your son, John, is going to be filled with the Holy Spirit in his mother's womb. And here it happens. We see it come to pass. And he says, she says, blessed is she who believed. Blessed is she who believed as opposed to Zacharias's unbelief. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. She even knows, she prophesies, she has this word of knowledge that God has spoken to Mary, her cousin, and says, the word's going to come to pass. The word's coming to pass. And then Mary bursts into this beautiful song. And, she, and I'm going to read you two lines from it. She says, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. And this song continues for another eight verses. We haven't got time, but throughout this, this psalm, the song, she just rejoices in the goodness of God. She rejoices in the faithfulness of God. Mary was full of joy. And you know what? Sometimes we, we think about joy. And I saw this thing. I wish I hadn't seen it of these funny people that were dancing around in a really strange way. I saw it on a clip somewhere. But Mary's full of joy. Mary is a 13-year-old virgin girl, pregnant with the Son of God, and she's rejoicing. Tell you what, whatever picture you've got of rejoicing, forget it. Forget it. The word for rejoice means jump for joy. Jump for joy, to rejoice exceedingly. The message says it like this, I'm bursting with God news. I'm dancing the song of my Savior God. God took one good look at me and look what happened. Look what happened. You know what? That's what God says to us today. He's taken one look at his church today, and he's impregnated each one of us with his word. The word becomes flesh and dwells among us. Allow the word of God to become flesh and dwell in us. But joy has a voice. Mary bursts into song. She dances about wildly. She does, she jumps for joy. We saw in Zacharias' experience unbelief, which resulted in him being muted. But in Mary's case, abundant joy. And that joy has a voice. There's a beautiful psalm, we, I'm sure we all know it, as the deer pants for the water brook, so, so pants my soul for you, it's Psalm 42. But in, the, in that psalm, verse 4, it says this, For I used to go with a multitude, I went with them to the house of God, with the voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept a pilgrim feast, with the voice of joy and praise. Joy has a voice. But you know, Mary didn't always have this joy. 
She didn't always have it. Her song of joy was not where she started. Mary, had, she'd been on a journey. She'd been on a journey. We saw earlier on when she encountered the, the angel Gabriel, she was, what was the word? She was troubled at his saying and considered what he was saying. The New Living says Mary was confused and disturbed. She was confused and disturbed. She didn't always have the song of joy. She was a 13-year-old teenager, pregnant by God. Man, they, I, I don't think that could have been a very joyous occasion. You know, we, we try to think about it and we think, actually, yes, it would have been. No, I don't think it would have been. Personally, if I was 13 and I was pre I'm a virgin and I was pregnant by God, I don't think I'd be very joyful. I don't, no, I don't know. The thought of it is just over. It, it's too big for my head. But that's not where Mary started. But the fact that she surrendered to the plans of God. She submitted to God's plan. And there's so much joy in that. Joy has a voice. And joy prompts a response. And the same for us. Our experience with joy can be very different. It may be a journey. There's a scripture that says, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Perhaps you've been in a season of weeping. Maybe you've experienced a recent loss in your, in your life. But know this, morning is coming, and with it comes great joy. Listen to the scripture in Isaiah 51, and I really believe that this is for someone today. Listen to this. For the Lord will comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places. He will make her wilderness like Eden and her desert like the garden of the Lord. There are places in our lives that are dead. There are places in our lives that are dry, like a wilderness. But listen to this. Joy and gladness will be found in it. Thanksgiving and the voice of melody. God is weeping manger for a night, but joy comes in the morning with the voice of melody. You know, something that I have learned for myself in recent years is that sorrow and joy can coexist together. They can coexist. We don't have to wait for everything to be perfect in our lives in order to experience joy. We can experience joy in the midst of pain, in the midst of sorrow, and even in the midst of confusion. We can still experience joy. It's a choice that we made. The choice that we make. The psalmist says, This is the day the Lord has made. I will. It's a matter of my will. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Joy is a choice. So joy may be a journey, but joy is a choice. Happiness is dependent on circumstances. Happiness depends on events, you know, um, whatever they might be. Happiness depends on happy happenings, whereas joy is a choice. And sometimes joy is found on the other side 
of a difficult choice. I think of Hebrews 12, where the Bible says, looking unto Jesus, it's one of my favorite scriptures, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Jesus endured the cross, and there was joy on the other side of the cross. His joy on the other side of a cross. And I think sometimes when we're facing a difficult decision, um, it's not always easy knowing whether the decision you're making is the right choice. But the Bible repeatedly says, the just shall live by faith, not by feelings, okay? The just shall live by faith. But so often in our lives, when we are about to make a big decision, and I'll give an example like moving country, that's a big decision. And I know a lot of people in this room are from other countries, ourselves included. And leaving your home comfort can be huge. It's a big decision. And I don't know how many, how many actually felt joy in that journey of leaving your country of birth and coming to zero degrees on a Saturday afternoon. You know, it's hard. It's hard. But you, we've got to look beyond it. And there's some, so often there is joy on the other side. But it takes steps of faith. It takes steps of obedience. It takes steps of surrender. And sometimes we just need to let go of the thing that we're holding on to that we think will bring us joy and grab hold of the joy that God only can give. Mary gave up her dreams. She, she gave up her aspirations. She was 13 years old. And I think this young girl, she was a godly girl. She loved God. She was raised in, in the ways of God. She would have wanted to be a, a loving wife to her future husband, Joseph. She probably had plans, you know, what she, you know, what kind of meals she's going to cook for him, what kind of robes she's going to make for him, and all these types of, you know, she was excited about her husband. But she laid down, she laid aside her own dreams and aspirations, and she chose to trust God by letting go of the familiar and the comfortable. Letting go. You know, there's, we all know the story about the guy. I don't know who this person is. I don't know who, where the story comes from. But we often hear it spoken about in church circles, about a guy who's walking along a cliff, and then he falls off the cliff. He must have been walking along the coast of England because all the cliffs are falling down. Don't walk along a cliff in England, okay, because they're all falling down. But there's a story. This guy walks along a cliff edge, and he falls off the cliff. And on the way down, he's falling down this big, this big drop, thousands of feet, and he, there's a little branch sticking out, and he grabs hold of the branch, and the, the branch sort of saves him. It's sticking out of the rock face, and he starts shouting for help, 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 and eventually he prays, and he says, God, help me, help me, and God says to him, let go of the branch, let go of the branch, and we all know the account. I think we do, if you don't ask Chris. But I want us to focus on the branch. But that branch, when God says, you know, just let go, just trust me, that branch could resemble anything in our lives. It could 
It could represent your rep reputation. Oh, that's a hard one, isn't it? God says, let go of your reputation. You know, what, what people think of you. Let go of it. It could represent something that you're holding on to, your, your, your education, your career, your job. You know, that this is where I get my, this is where I get my, my sense of worth from. This is, this is, what it's, this is what's going to give me fulfillment. This is what's going to give me joy. And God says sometimes, let go of that branch. And I, from, my own personal, from my own personal experience, when I first got saved, um, my first, my greatest desire once I got saved was, I wasn't married at the time, was to find myself a godly husband. He had to be born again. And I wrote a list. I was very specific <laughs> in my list. And um, praise God, he answered everything, and he gave me this wonderful man of God. But you know what? In, but in the process, what happened to me was I'd become fixated about my list. This is my ideal husband. This is what I want. He's got to be X, Y, Z, A, B, C, all this, this list. And that thing had become an idol in my life. The, 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 the desire, the, there was nothing wrong with the desire. There's nothing evil in it, but it just it had a hold of me, a hold on me. And I realized, because I thought I'd get fulfillment. I thought that my husband would bring me great joy. And I had to get to a, get to a place where, actually, no. I'm, I cannot look for joy in any other place other than God, other than God that my fulfill, my joy, didn't come from a man. It came from God. And this is what, this, you know, this, is, this whole thing, this, this, expression, this scripture in the Bible that says, I am complete in Christ. That became my mantra. I'm complete in Christ. Chris, I, I love my husband with all my heart, second to Christ, but my joy is complete in Christ. Chris isn't, it's not his responsibility to make me joyful, and same for everyone else. But your joy may be dependent on your family, on your child, on your bank balance, your children. You know, sometimes we think, if I could just have a good marriage, then I'm going to be joyful. If I could just get that promotion, if I could just get that job, if I could just, if I could just, if I could just, then I'll have joy. That's happiness. That's happiness. These, these are, those are happenings. Those are circumstances. The joy of God. Joy is found in only one way, and that's connecting to God. Grab onto Jesus today. He is the branch. He is the branch. And so not only, I'm coming into land, not only do we rejoice in the God of our salvation, but here's the good news. He rejoices over you today. Look at Zephaniah 3.17 says, The Lord your God in your, in your midst, the mighty one, will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. God rejoices over you and me today. He rejoices over you with singing. He will shout over you with joy. He celebrates you with shouts of joy. 
So joy is a choice. Mute the fear. Mute any fear. Mute the unbelief. Choose joy. Choose joy. Come for me. Come play something beautiful on the keyboard, will you? But take that first step in your journey. Take that first step in your journey. Maybe you're not in the place of Mary, where my soul magnifies the Lord and I'm rejoicing. But let go of that branch, whatever it is that you, you're placing everything into. That's where I get my, my sense of worth, my contentment, my joy comes from that. No, our joy comes from God. Choose to be connected to him. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Amen. Amen. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for your word today.